Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code UNIVERSE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. And by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash universe. Don't believe what you've been told about hell not being real. It's real, all right, and it's every bit as bad as you've heard. The eternal heat, the sulfurous air, the rivers running with scalding lava. Even the part about Lucifer and pentagrams are real. It's all there, and we've known the truth for a long time. But if hell exists, it's not where we thought it was, thousands of miles below our feet in the deep, molten center of the Earth. It's actually 162 million miles away from Earth, and no matter how terribly you behave in this life, the odds are pretty good that you're never going to be sent there. The hell in our midst is Venus, a world that is entirely like our familiar Earth and entirely, terribly unlike it, too. This is It's Your Universe. I'm Jeffrey Kluger. Today, we're visiting Venus. We'll continue in a moment with It's Your Universe. But first, a word from our sponsor. From dark matter to what lies beyond our visible universe, we know that the mysteries of the cosmos are abundant. One thing you don't have to wonder about is how to get a beautiful website for your business or brand. Squarespace is the answer. Squarespace offers customizable designs so that you can build the website you've always wanted. They give you all the tools you need to build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of skill level. No coding required. Plus, you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code UNIVERSE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. The demanding pace of our lives often keeps us from exploring the unknown. Explore new worlds and ideas with Audible. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Take Audible with you when you're on the go by listening on your smartphone, computer, or tablet. Listen to such books as The Narcissist Next Door, my exploration of the people in your life guaranteed to charm you, thrill you, and ultimately drive you mad. Knowing how to handle them and avoid them is one of the most important skills we can all learn. Find this book or other books of all genres at audible.com. As a special offer to my listeners, you can get a free 30-day trial today by signing up at audible.com universe. That's audible.com universe. Venus and Earth are often called sister worlds, and with good reason. 
They have roughly the same diameter, the same density, the same mass, and the same gravity. The two planets do have different orbits, Earth lying 93 million miles away from the Sun and Venus at a somewhat cozier 67 million. But that still places both of them comfortably within the not-too-hot, not-too-cold region known as the Goldilocks Zone, where liquid water can exist. Where there's water, life as we know it can follow. But if Earth is the lucky sister, Venus is the very unlucky one. From the beginning, the infant Earth caught all kinds of breaks. Its temperature was moderate, its atmosphere was breathable, its seas were warm and amniotic, just the right environment for organisms to take hold and thrive. Venus had no such good fortune. With everything that went right on Earth going disastrously, cataclysmically wrong just next door. The story of the Venus that exists today is the story of the slow breakdown of an entire world. Human beings have known and admired Venus for a long time. Like Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, it's a member of the original Planets Club, the five so-called naked-eye worlds that were discovered by ancient civilizations without the benefit of telescopes. In the case of Venus in particular, it's hardly as if they needed the help. Viewed from Earth, Venus is brighter and more conspicuous than any object in the sky except the Sun, the Moon, and Jupiter. It has visible phases like the Moon, waxing and waning, showing itself in crescents and half-disks, and under the right circumstances is even visible in daylight. Over the years, the bright light of Venus has regularly been mistaken for an airplane, a satellite, a meteor, and of course a UFO, and not just by the conspiracy folks who believe aliens once landed in Roswell, New Mexico. On January 6, 1969, future President Jimmy Carter and a group of other observers spotted an unmistakable UFO shimmering in the western sky just behind a stand of pine trees. As was their civic responsibility, they reported the sighting to the proper authorities, which in this case was the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena in Washington, D.C. The committee members investigated the claim, and while they found no evidence of an actual E.T., a quick check of the day's sky charts showed that what was there was Venus, which was at the point in its orbit that brings it closest to Earth and would have been hanging like a headlamp at just the spot the future president and his friends were looking. But if Venus shows itself readily, it's always been fickle about just when, appearing at five changing angles in the sky known as the Venus pentagram. Circling the sun in the solar system's number two lane, it takes just 224 Earth days to complete a single orbit, compared to the 365 days Earth needs. That means that at some points in our year, Venus trails the sun in the sky and becomes visible only after dark. At other points in the year, it rises before the sun and is visible at dawn. This led ancient civilizations to consider it two objects, a morning star and an evening star, and they treated it accordingly. The Greeks gave the stars divine names. The Venus of the evening was Hesperus, named after the son of the dawn goddess. 
the Venus of the morning was Phosphorus, or light bringer. The Romans piggybacked on the Greeks, calling the morning Venus Lucifer, which also means light bringer, a name that had benign and even very pretty connotations until it was also applied to the fallen angel who descended into darkness and became the ruler of the underworld. The dusk-bringing Venus was known as Vesper, which refers to things of the evening. The Greeks were the first to correct the two-star error, realizing that Venus was not two bodies, but just one, and not a star, but a planet, and one very close to Earth at that. Much later, Galileo became the first to observe Venus's phases, which he realized meant that it was a planet like Earth and orbited the Sun. That served as one more piece of evidence in support of his revolutionary idea that the Earth was not the center of the universe, a heresy that caused him no end of grief from the Church of his day, even if he was right and the Church was wrong. All of Venus's similarities to our world coupled with its innate beauty, made it seem like a seductive place, one that must be as much of a garden planet as Earth is. That guess may not have been too far off, depending on when you're talking about. For the first 600 million years of Venus's life, pretty much its infancy to pre-K phase, the planet may have had as much water as Earth, the two worlds spun down out of the same raw materials, after all, and would have been subjected to similar bombardments from water-bearing meteors and comets that hydrated them further. But solar light is not a constant thing, and the sun goes through periodic fluctuations in brightness and heat, flaring up sometimes and going quieter others. Earth is just far enough away not to be too terribly troubled by that. But Venus wasn't spared, with an extra fiery sun so nearby pressure cooking the young world and causing its oceans to boil up into its atmosphere. Like Earth's oceans, Venus contained enormous amounts of carbon dioxide, but with the water gone, the CO2 escaped, flooding the atmosphere and leading to a runaway greenhouse effect that just drove temperatures higher. Making things worse, on Earth, plate tectonics keep the crust churning, which carries carbon locked in rocks deep underground. But tectonics require lubrication, and that means water. On a world as dry as Venus had become, the crust stays rigid, keeping the carbon on the surface where the heat can bake it out of the rocks, driving the greenhouse spiral still higher. By the time the sun was done with its second nearest child, Venus was left with a poisonous atmosphere that was 96% carbon dioxide with just a few puffs of nitrogen and other gases, and a surface temperature of 870 degrees Fahrenheit, enough to melt lead, magnesium, silver, and zinc. The density of the air is 93 times that of Earth's, and the pressure at ground level is 92 times as great. On Earth, sea-level air exerts a gentle force of just under 15 pounds on every square inch of your skin. On Venus, you'd be crushed under an anvil of atmosphere that would press on you with a force of 1,300 pounds per square inch.
Sunlight, even streaming in from relatively nearby, can't fully penetrate such dense air, with only about 20% of what hits the atmosphere actually making it to the ground. That cast Venus in a permanent twilight gloaming. With such a thick, soupy atmosphere, the winds themselves are at pains to stir, moving no more than two or three miles an hour at ground level. That might barely be enough to rustle a leaf on Earth, but on Venus, so tiny a puff of such viscous air can blow rocks and stones across the ground. Venus's rotation is as strange as its atmosphere. Unlike all the other planets in the solar system, which rotate counterclockwise as seen from above, Venus spins clockwise, meaning that the sun rises in its west and sets in its east. That backward spin might be partly due to the gravity of the sun dragging on the planet's dense atmosphere, eventually slowing Venus and even flipping it over. It might also be due to a collision with a passing planetesimal billions of years ago that smacked the planet sideways and sent it into reverse. Earth got clobbered in a similar way some four billion years ago, but once again we got lucky. Our cosmic crack-up actually left us better off, producing both the debris cloud that gave us our well-loved moon and the 23-degree tilt that gave us our seasons. Not only is Venus's rotation backwards, it's also exceedingly slow, just four miles an hour, which means a Venusian day lasts 243 Earth days, or 19 days longer than a Venusian year. Earth achieves its eye-blink 24-hour day by rotating at a blistering 1,040 miles per hour. For a planet with so little to offer anyone foolish enough to come its way, Venus has attracted a lot of attention from Earth. It was the United States that managed the first brief visit to the planet when Mariner 2 blew past and snapped a few pictures in 1962. But it's the Russians who have shown the Venusians the most love, sending 32 different spacecraft Venus's way since 1961. None of those missions have been easy. The first spacecraft to try to parachute through Venus's clouds was slowed down so much by the dense atmosphere that its batteries ran out before it ever landed. Later ships that descended faster got no lower than 12 miles above the ground before the atmosphere crushed them like a soda can. Finally, the designers built sturdier ships and jettisoned the parachutes all together at an altitude of 31 miles, allowing the spacecraft simply to fall toward the ground as slowly as a marble descending through a can of house paint. The idea of sending astronauts has never been seriously pursued, partly because surviving a landing would be out of the question. In the late 1960s, however, when NASA still dreamed very big dreams and actually got the money to pursue them, a plan was floated that involved using repurposed Apollo hardware to send three astronauts on a 400-day round-trip flyby of the planet. 
But funding cuts, combined with the reality of spending so many months in space for a rendezvous that would last just a few fleeting days, scuttled the plan. Still, there might, one day, be reason for human beings to take another look at visiting Venus, if only because there's a small but real chance that something living could be there to greet us. The idea that anything could survive in the Venusian crucible is implausible in the extreme. But that's only if you limit your thinking to the surface of the planet. Well above the ground, high in Venus's cloud banks, conditions might be very different. It's not a settled scientific fact that the great drying and frying of Venus happened when the planet was only 600 million years old. Some astronomers speculate that the temperature might have been tolerable and the water might have lingered for up to two billion years, which was a billion or so years after life first appeared on Earth. If something similar happened on Venus, that life might have adapted when the environment changed, migrating to wherever conditions were stabler and a bit cooler. On Earth, Bacteria have been found living in clouds, and there's no reason Venusian microbes could not have similarly taken to the skies. Yes, Venus's acidic, sulfuric clouds would not be anything like the chill, wet vapors high in Earth skies. But some types of hardy, earthly bacteria do quite well in what should be lethal environments. Locked in rocks, frozen in permafrost, clinging to the ocean floor around hot vents where the temperature reaches 750 degrees. What's more, both Russian and American spacecraft have found that Venus's clouds, like the clouds of all planets, are composed of crystals and other particles of various sizes and masses. One of those particles, not typically seen in most cloud formations, is precisely the size of a bacterium, microscopic. The odds, of course, are that the particles are just particles, that Venus is an entirely dead place, sterilized in the autoclave of its own air a very long time ago. The planet may have pulled a lucky card in having a rocky surface that could support biology, another lucky card in finding itself in an orbit in which water could exist, and yet another in having had that water. But everything that could break down after that did break down. Venus, which hangs so prettily in the sky, turns angry and ugly up close. That, of course, is true of much of the cosmos, filled with things we can admire and study but never safely touch. All the same, the sky is richer and lovelier for the presence of Venus, a Lucifer that, unlike the Dark One of legend, remains a light bringer. Join me next week when we visit Earth and learn that the planet we think we know best, we actually don't know at all. I'm Jeffrey Kluger. 
and this is Time Magazine's podcast, It's Your Universe, produced by Panoply. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeffrey Kluger. Subscribe to It's Your Universe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.